And there's something that I tell myself, and that's why I make it such a big thing about, like, accomplishing so many things in these next years. Because I don't want to be in nightlife when I turn 40. I don't. I don't. And that's not to talk down on anybody who's still involved in that. But it's just because I see much more. Um, And also, you know, certain experiences that I have had. Um, not, I'm not going to say necessarily negative, but maybe draining. Mm-hmm. And me putting this boundary is almost like me in a way like saying, I love this, but at some point I want to protect my mental health even more. Mm-hmm. And therefore, like at this mark in time, I see myself going in different directions. This is Sad Boy Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Sad Boy Radio. I'm your host, Matt. And today, man, we got a legend in the building fucking up the game every fucking weekend. Uh, The DJ who made something out of nothing. Go ahead and introduce yourself, man. DJ Ozone. Humble Park, born and raised. Dominican. It's been a journey. The journey's not done, but it's been a journey. But I'm, I'm just happy to be here and, you know, share, you know, my experience, insight, you know, et cetera, et cetera. As a fan of the podcast, like, to me, it's, it's an honor for you to have me. So. For sure, bro. Appreciate it, for real. Man, but before we get into it, man, you got to give us the story behind the fucking of the game. I personally know it because I found out, but you got to let the, you know, audience know. You know, the thing about fucking up the game, like, you know, because a lot of things that have taken place and, you know, you grow up and, you know, things take you in different directions. Fucking up the game is actually DJ Ozone and DJ Rec. DJ Rec, that's my best friend since high school. So we both like came into this journey together as DJs. And um, one time we were really big in the mixtape circuit at the time, like uh, renting booths at festivals to sell our mixtape. So we'd have like make like, all right, for people who want reggaeton music, here's the, this mixtape has all the latest reggaeton, bachata. All right, this one has all the hip hop. So, you know, three for 20, you know, and that kind of thing. So, in the midst of making one of those, we had our homie, um, Peter, who used to go by the name of DJ Power, like, aspiring DJ at the time. He was also, like, the guy who used to help us a lot, like, you know, in the midst of that movement, like, sell the mixtapes, get, you know, promo, all that. And we were working on a mix. And in the blending of two songs, he, like, blurs out, like, yo, this shit is fucking sick. You guys are killing it right now. You guys are, like, you guys are fucking up the game. And we're like, what, Peter, what you say? And he's like, yo, this is fucking sick. I'm like, nah, before that, you know, he's like, you guys are fucking up the game. And me and Rec just looked at him like, yeah, that's that's it right there. That's, that's it. Yeah. And ran with it. Ran with it because I think that's literally been the mantra since we started like you know you talking about uh you know he dj rec is salvadorian i'm dominican two young latino kids coming from immigrant parents like making something out of nothing we weren't in a space where our parents could just like walk into guitar center and just like splurge on equipment like it was literally like things that we had to like save up money for like i literally got my first job you know after eighth grade and saved up my two paychecks and got like a very uh, entry level DJ setup that was just horrible, horrible. 
horrible. But, you know, again, that goes back to the whole, like, start it from the bottom thing, you know, because I aspired to be a DJ since third grade. I watched the movie Juice uh, with Tupac Shakur and Omar Epps, like, 92, 93 movie. Um, I watched it later in life, but that's when the movie came out. And the opening scene is, like, Omar Epps DJing. And that literally that moment, me in third grade, like, I remember, like, watching that and being, like, intrigued. And I'm, like... I couldn't put together what he was doing. I just knew it was musically involved. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, that and, shit's raw as fuck, yeah, bro. And all this is just like full circle, man. Like, And that's been literally the journey ever since. Like coming in and, and making things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like everything, there's always challenges. You know, there's always things that get in the way. But guess what? Like, it's not not going to let nothing hold us back. So now, how's it feel to be living the dream? You know, like, as, aside from DJing, you got credits on some big records, Chance the Rapper, Saba, First Class B, bro. It's funny because, like, to be asked, how does it feel to be li- living the dream? Um, This is not to say that I'm not appreciative of all these blessings and all these things that have came into fruition. But because I feel like I'm still not done yet, I never looked at it that way, you know, because I'm like, the grind don't stop. The work keeps going. But all those things that you mentioned and all those artists that I've worked with and to have these credits, it's like, it's helped a lot. And it's opened a lot of doors for me. And I know it has inspired, like, a lot of people out there. And to me, it's like, just that alone is a gift in itself because it's almost like, I partook, or, I partook in something or I did something that it's almost become the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for example, with Everybody Something, right, by chance, um, I get people always, like, hitting me up on Twitter, like, yo, this song saved my life or, you know, uh, this really made an impact my life. I'm in the gym the other day and it's like I have this cat, like, he's like 17. He's like, bro you're ozone and i just want to let you know like acid rap specifically the song you produce like that got me through some really dark times and i'm like wow that's interesting man because it's like that's like a record that i hold very dearly because of what was going on in my life at that time and it did the same for me you know like a lot of people ask me like about that record i always say like that record is dedicated to my son my son had just been born not too long ago, and I almost didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. Like, while my son's mother was pregnant, um, I was in a shooting incident, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I remember, like, being taken to the hospital, and I'm in that bed just bloodied up. And that was literally the first thought to myself, like, because I'm not looking, I'm, I don't know how severe things are going. And my adrenaline is going, is boosting fast. So I don't know how bad I'm doing, but I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, I didn't, I didn't make it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna make it to see my child. And you know, so when I hear that song, it's like a song I dedicate to my son because to know what the feeling was almost to what the feeling almost was. To not have been able to be there, that to me, it's like 
that makes him even more of everything to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and and even like with with these relationships established from that, you know, like to even being able to collaborate with Saba, like you know, on on the music end, but also like on merch. You know, I had a brand called Stashbox. Um, and we actually did uh, the merch for Comfort Zone for Sava's uh, project, you know, and that came from, you know, the work we did musically together. Mm-hmm. And, and Sava was a very big uh, supporter of the clothing brand. Um, you know, and fast forward, even with, with first class, like, that's my best friend. That is like my ride or die best friend like you know a lot of people say ride or die but i could go on for days where it's been a lot of interesting moments where that brother has shown and proved mm-hmm. and he knows that it goes the other way around too shout out all of them bro for real and you gave me goosebumps with that story bro um you know i, I had seen a couple things about it i'm pretty sure like an instagram post or two from you and man this is just crazy because you never know what you're doing for somebody else right you never know the impact you're having and to feel like that could have gotten taken away from you to have that impact on your own son right i want to ask you real quick you know for you becoming a father you know what did that really mean to you man you know i think there's there's two two parts to the answer to that question because there's becoming a father at that time and what the things that were going on in my life and what it has been now because there's been a lot of transitions in my life in that journey you know at that time you know and I was 26 you know so I'm a little older but at the time I'm full throttle into my DJ career that it wasn't something I was thinking about so when I get the news, it's like, I thought everything was going to come to an end. In my mind, what I imagined was, all right, I'm being father now. This DJ shit is over. That's it. It's a wrap. You know, it's, it's, it's a wrap, you know? Like, we're done. Like, we're that's it. Like, everything that I'm into, the lifestyle that I'm into, like, that shit's a wrap. I remember, like, I remember even going to Barney's and thinking to myself, well, this is the last pair of Balmain jeans I buy because <laughs> this shit is done, you know. But that's because I've really looked at it that way. Like I've had so had had so many peers that you know were chasing something, and then something like that happened, and they had to, you know, go a different direction and or kind of put their dreams on hold, and that really messed with me. You get what I'm saying? And it wasn't to say I wasn't happy that I had a child on the way, but it's just because I've seen this episode so much, I thought I was just going to be that. So it was really like trying to fight that at some point, you know, being involved with certain things in the street that I should not been involved with to kind of like keep the certain lifestyle going. And it's like, you know, fast forward, I believe that that. When something is for you, um, God's gonna create that path for you to get to the to go in the direction that you need to go. And fast forward, I got there. I got there. Like, I I got there, man. And it's crazy to like look at it back now. Like my son just turned ten years old, 
back in August, and you know, I I remember that being like a a, a pinnacle for me, and in, in the sense that, like, wow, we really got through it. Like, we really we really got here. Like, I remember talking to my son's mother. Like, man, we we really like we made it. We made it, and that's not to say that our work is done as parents, but it's just like, at one point, me and my son's mother were not seeing eye to eye. We were not in the best place for multiple reasons, things on her end, things on my end, emotions, um, you know, things that maybe both of us didn't see ourselves ready for at the time. And so, like, to even overcome that and be able to... Uh, create a healthy parenting environment for our child like to me like it's like to look back and and see that you know there was a light at the end of that tunnel is like it's dope it's dope man i want to give you props for that too you know making sure that your son comes first right because a lot of people forget that part right they view their partner as somebody who's against them once it comes to an end and why when that's supposed to be still your partner because you're co-parenting and you're trying to build that healthy environment for somebody else to grow up in and make sure that they see that hey things don't always work out but we're gonna have this healthy relationship and you can too with anybody else that comes into your life but i do want to touch on you know what you said about uh the world coming to an end man because that's as 20 year olds that's all you can think of, right? You think like, damn, if I get this girl pregnant, I'm fucked. Dude. Yeah, it's over. It's yeah. a wrap, bro. Which is exactly how I was thinking, man. Like, that's how I felt, yeah. g Easy in the song, Everything Will Be Okay. I just referenced this song last week, too, so my bad. But he says, contemplating just who I could have turned out to be. If I had stayed and weren't heard, what would, I, what would amount to me? If I had looked and I ain't found what would I have found in me? I mean, it's hard, but they love me, never look down on me. And he's questioning himself, right? Like, what if I took this path? What if I ended up staying home and, you know, living this ordinary-ass life? Uh, you were a social worker, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, like, just imagining that for you, right? You didn't follow your dreams. You said, hey, fuck it. I'm going to live this ordinary life. I'm going to raise my kid. I'm going to be a social worker. But would that have fulfilled you? Would you have been happy with the life that you're building, right? And even for me, right, I've had to take a step back and realize, like, hey, I value these relationships I have. But now you're cutting into my work. Now you're cutting into my goals and aspirations and where I want to end up in life. I'm only 22. But even you, right, you said that you're trying to beat that race to 40 you're trying to accomplish all this shit before you get to 40 for me i'm trying to get, accomplish all this shit before i don't even know what age but i just want to be able to say i'm successful you know what i'm saying for you though man really what do you feel like that life would have looked like had you chosen a different route it's funny man because that applies to so many different phases of my life right there's the social work phase so you know i grew up since a teenager around a nonprofit organization called Build, you know, it's being a youth part of the part of that program to being a group aid, which was basically like a high school like assistant to the program, to like eventually moving up to being a social worker, um, uh, to be say a prevention specialist, 
prevention specialist was like you were starting after school programs with um, a couple of different schools, CPS, that you had going. Um, and basically the purpose was to kind of like create something for these teenagers to have after school. You know, and not like your typical do your homework program. Like obviously there was that in there, but it was more to it where it's like you're really creating this um, environment for them to be able to express themselves in ways that they can't do during school because, you know, there's all these rules and things and that. So to me, that was rewarding, right? I love that. It felt good. But I always used to say myself this, right? And I always had music and DJing since I was a child in my heart. But I had other things too because of where I grew up and certain people that I grew up, including my dad. Um, so I had these certain aspirations that involved a certain lifestyle. And I used to be like, I love being a social working social worker and the impact that I'm making on the youth. But I also want a Lambo. And I'm like, I don't know any social workers that have a Lambo. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, but I know a few DJs that do. So, you know, there was always like that thing where it's like, in a perfect world, I could have both. And I think it's starting to come full circle a little bit now. Um, but, you know, I was not willing to give up that dream of like being a DJ producer. Mm -hmm. And so I made that transition and I don't regret it. Um, do I wish I, maybe I still would have been moving in, the, in, in that world that I was in? Yeah, but you know, I'm enjoying this, and I'm a big believer that it will, and it is, all coming full circle. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I see myself now, like, older, and I'm watching this new generation of DJs coming in and killing shit, right? You know, Drip, King and Ness, the list goes on, right? And to be able to share a lot of my experiences and, and maybe in certain ways cut them X amount of years of things that, they might not have to go through that I can, that I went through. Like to me, I'm like, okay, there's, it gives me like reference point that there's a purpose for me here besides just only the DJ part. Like is to be able to give guidance and mentorship in whatever form that comes, mm -hmm. you know? Cause there's a lot of things that goes into this that I didn't have any kind of guidance. You know, like even now I talk about it like I had older DJ homies when I first came in, but nobody told me what happens after 30, you know? And I wish that some, you know, maybe they would have told me like, like, yo, you know, just know that after 30, uh, your following gets older and they don't go out as much. So just know like, you know, don't expect that maybe if you throw a party, it's gonna be like what you're normally used to because people got other priorities, et cetera. Some people like, not doing nightlife anymore, mm. you know. So I didn't, I didn't have that, you know. But guess what? Now to like all the younger homies, I'd be like, "Yo, uh, it's not to say that it ends, but just save money, you know." Same thing with like health and mental health. Like, you know, partying is cool, participate is fun, but keep a balance. Take care of yourself physically mentally emotionally spiritually because 
this stuff takes a toll on you. I make it a thing not to drink when I'm not working. So let's say I don't work Monday through Thursday. I'm not putting alcohol in my body because I believe it needs to reset. Like right now, I'm I'm in a space where I'm like, as of September, I quit drinking till my birthday. My birthday is November 16th. Mm. But it's because we do this for a living. So at some point, you need a detox from these things, you know, because they have an effect on you, you know. And then, like, I, I go to the gym every day, you know, at least for sure four to five times a week. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'm I'm trying to preserve my body. My body's a temple. And you're putting yourself through a lot in this industry. Those conversations aren't had often. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody sees a, like, rock star party, you know, like, go to sleep, do it again part, but nobody talks about this other part that's really important. And everybody wants that lifestyle. Everybody glamorizes it and says, hey, th- this shit is raw. Yeah. You don't see the other side of it. And for you, you grew up in an era where mental health was, wasn't was shit. Nobody yeah. gave a fuck. Yeah. You didn't have the bad bunnies singing the estamos viens yeah. and letting people know, like, hey, in Latin culture, this is okay to talk about. Yeah. How is your understanding of mental health grown? And also, how has it played a role in your life now? It's grown in the sense that I am more aware of my surroundings and the energies in certain rooms or people around me. And, you know, when something feels draining, sometimes it's like I might not know, like, damn, why do I feel like this right now? Or why does this person make me feel this way? But I recognize it. And when you recognize something, that's the first step. Because then at that point, it's like now you have some sort of hold on it to be able to manage it. So, like, um, there was a party that I that I used to do uh, at the spot called Masada on Sundays. Um Masada Sundays is a it's a very interesting party because, you know, Latin Trap really kicked off like in that 2015, 2016 era and go up, you know. And at that time in Chicago, we didn't really have a lot of spots that played Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny, Osuna, um, you know, the new Nicky Jam stuff, like, you know, and the list goes on. We brought that to um, to Masala. You hear what I'm saying? And that started something, and it was booming. We went on and did that till COVID happened, mm-hmm. from 2016 to COVID happened. And there was a period of time where I would get anxiety when I would be in there, and I didn't understand why. But I would literally go. I did one hour. DJ Ivan did another hour. I did one hour. We would rotate hours. I'd do my set. I'd go outside or go in my car, probably hyperventilating. And I'm like, I don't know where this comes from. Like, this is, doesn't feel normal. And it went like that for a while. So, like, there came a point where I'm like, I really need to figure out more where this is coming from because that's not a good feeling, you know. And that comes from certain energies that transfer on from – being around certain people, sometimes even from liquor itself. Like, you know, they call that a spirit because that's what it does. It it alters it, whether it's in a good way or a bad way, you know. And some people who drink, like, experience depression from the liquor. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yay, turn up. And then when you're coming down, it starts to hit you. And 
for a very long time, I didn't understand this. It was just, hey, here's a shot. Here's a, oh, yeah, let's go. Turn up. Boom. Uh, bottles, bottles, bottles. And then I'd find myself during the week, like, experiencing a lot of depression. And I didn't, I, I didn't connect. You get what I'm saying? I didn't start connecting that. So, like, as of maybe recent, the last year or two, when I've gone into these cleanses of, like, no alcohol, and then I started to notice, like, okay, I ain't been drinking for two months. I noticed I ain't dealing with depression a lot or anxiety. And that's where the whole, like, mental and physical health thing comes in. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's my biggest thing. That's, like, one thing that I preach to to everybody involved in this industry. And that's not only limited to DJs. That goes from everything from bartenders, promoters, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, like, enjoy it. Participate. Party. You know, but at the same time, you know, balance. I 100% get you on that, man, because I remember when I was in college, right? I was partying a lot all the time, blackout, like, every weekend on some stupid shit. And eventually, over time, I started realizing, like, hey, I don't feel good. Throughout the week, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling all this different shit. And then the weekend comes, and yeah, it's back to partying. And then the week happens again and same shit and i'm like dude what the fuck is wrong with me it wasn't until covid happened where i completely stopped drinking for like a year and once that happened i got in shape i I started feeling the healthiest i ever felt in my life and then i started drinking again and i've never felt those same issues again since then because i've learned to balance it and i've learned like hey i'm not my life doesn't revolve around partying. It doesn't revolve around drinking. There's a lot of things that you can do and a lot of conversations that you have to have and making sure that people understand your boundaries as well, right? Uh, Drake, in a 2019 interview, he talks about that, right? Where they're telling him, why haven't you fallen in love yet? Why haven't you found somebody and settled down? And he specifically says, I love my space, my routine, and it would have to be something, he says someone, but something special that fits into that routine, like a puzzle piece, right? Yeah. In life, we're, we're so accustomed to what we want and what we view ourselves as, right? Just like we were talking as creatives, you're so set on that goal. You're set on, okay, I'm gonna accomplish this. I need to do it by this time. And when somebody's trying to change that in you, it's like, no, I can't. You can't you can't come into my life and say, this is how things are going to go because you're going to get hurt or I'm going to not be able to give you what you want. That's been, that's been a very tough thing for me to have to learn and have to apply to my life, right? When I had a bunch of relationships I didn't give a fuck about, it was easy. I don't give a fuck about you. By all means, walk away. I'll be okay. Been there. Been there. But you start to develop relationships that you do care about, Mm -hmm. whether it's somebody that, you know, you're romantically involved with or a friendship. And you start to care about these people. And it's like they need more of your time. But at the end of the day, it's like I can't. And you become a slave to this passion that you have that, man, I love what I do. Uh, my boy Alan, Alan the official. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's very involved in like. Have you heard of Healthy Hood? Yes. Okay, so he's yeah. actually dating Tanya, the founder of Healthy. Yeah, yep. Okay. Know her? Shout out, shout out Tanya, man. Known her for years. Good so, people. 
So Alan in his song, Passion Slaves, he says, I've been locked up in my mind, been a prisoner for some time now, kind of hoping I find God. I'm wishing I ain't do the crimes now. I'm doing time now. And he goes on to say how he's stuck in his head, that it's amazing. Yeah, it's a prison, but it also feels amazing because I love what I'm doing. But that eventually he's missing these important moments, like his first son's steps. And it's like, damn, like, you're, you're so caught up in what you're doing. You're so caught up in what you love that you're not even there for the important moments in life. For you, what's been one of those moments? It's funny you ask that because something just came to mind. And I, I guess maybe probably because it, it weighed on me a lot th- this past week. Um, last week, to be exact. Uh, my son had a playoff game. And... Um, you know, he's telling me about it, wants me to come, and uh, I put my alarm, but I tweet somewhere in there instead of the a.m., I put p.m. Keep in mind, my, the night before, my night ended at like 4 a.m., and so that meant that was like four hours of sleep before that. I didn't make it to that game. But I had made it a thing that I was going to go. So the fact that I missed out on that moment, that really, like, fucked with me a lot that whole week. Because I'm like, man, when it comes to my son, I like to really, like, be there as much as possible for those kind of things. Because when I was his age, it was two things, right? When I was involved with sports or whatever, my mom couldn't make it because she worked single mother. My dad had just got locked up um, for drug trafficking. He got sentenced for 20 years. So he couldn't make it to my game. So literally, like, nobody came out to these things. And um, it's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, man, like, I understood it. Do I wish they were there? Absolutely, because, you know, I'm watching all of my other teammates and their parents being there, and I'm just like, okay, cool. You know, so because I knew what that felt like, I don't want my son to feel that way. So I always reference that to, like, whenever I can't make it to one of his games. And I feel like when what you bring up, it takes me back to that. And just trying to make it always a thing to be there in these important moments, you know. Like, to me, like, Ezekiel is everything. Um we might not live in the same home, you know, but regardless, like, to me, like, having a son is, like, a very beautiful thing to me. And it's something that I almost, in a way, when I was young, I foresaw that. When I was in my teenage years, for some reason, I always had this feeling that I would have a child before getting married, and I always had a feeling that it would be a boy. And it's like, that's literally what it's been and I have I don't feel no type of way about that like maybe it's a very unorthodox way of like what the ideal way is to raise a child because you know nobody wants to raise a child by themselves like that's why even referencing back to like when me and his mother didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things in the beginning you know I wasn't thinking about it that way but fast forward it's like I look at it now and I'm like now I know why this young woman 
was feeling the way she was feeling because I was so locked in into my career path that that was one of those things where I approached it like I'm willing to be there as a father, but I wasn't interested in, in pursuing a relationship, you know, and nobody wants to hear that as a woman. But to me, I was so locked into that because a part of me was passionate and I had this dream, but there was a certain level of ignorance and lack of understanding of the other end of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I reflect a lot on that moment and I understand it a lot, but most importantly, uh, thankful and blessed that we overcame that. And it's something that I encourage for a lot of young people out there who have procreated and maybe are not seeing eye to eye, that it is possible you know, to overcome these feelings. Because at the end of the day, these are emotions that we carry ourselves from things that we feel that bring us pain. Um, but sometimes it gets in the way of the bigger picture, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we see that a lot in society, you know, especially in, in, in minority Latino culture, you know, like I grew up in Humboldt Park. I'm Humboldt Park born and raised. And, you know, that's like a narrative that you hear very often, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I knew that because my dad has six kids, five, one of my brothers passed away, but I grew up in a family environment where it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, the reality is my dad does have three different mothers that he procreated with, but guess what? Mother's Day, we're all sitting in the same table, no beef, you know? So in my mind, it's like I knew that if you put certain things like to side for the purpose of the bigger picture, it's possible. And that's what always gave me hope that things would change between me and my son's mother and, and and it did, you know, it took time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that happened overnight. But, <laughs> no, not know. at all, man. I mean, it happened, and, and she's very supportive. She, one thing I always say, I'm I'm very blessed. I am very blessed to, to have Jamie, you know, as the mother of my son, because she goes above and beyond, and she has helped me a lot, and she is very supportive of what I do and, and encourages me a lot. You know, so it's like, and, and that's not easy to find, mm -hmm. you know, not saying that it's not possible, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of internal work. Something I want to ask you about that relationship, man, there's a lot of questions I have, but for somebody that was so young, right? Because you have people that are trying to change your ideas and the way you live for a very long time. I'm sure it wasn't overnight that she was like, yeah, you know what? I support it. I, su I support what you want to do. Go ahead and do everything you want to accomplish. What was that like for you? How did you really overcome that in a sense, right? Because for me, who, like I said, I'm 20 years old. You got, you got another uh, young man under you, Drip, right? Yeah, yeah. Who he's not in a relationship now, but prior he, just like we said, he had a similar situation. Yeah. So for somebody who isn't necessarily receiving that support but knows, like, that's what they need, what would you say to them? One thing is just understanding that it's not an easy situation. And depending on, you know, situations vary. But one thing that is always present, no matter how good or bad the situation is, there's going to be some sort of pain 
and trauma. And you have to be open-minded to work through these things. And at times not take certain things too personal. And when I say too personal, I mean that somebody might be communicating something to you that feels like you easily want to be like, oh, man, fuck her, fuck him, like, blah, blah, this and that. And it's like, that's just a moment and a temporary emotion. And we've seen a lot of episodes where people take those temporary moments and make decisions that make an impact on more than just yourself, you know? Um, And it shouldn't have to be that way. It shouldn't have to be that way because this is how I look at it, right? My, My parents been through a lot in the midst of raising me and my sister. Um, and and my dad is also a big example that I use as to why I make it a thing to be in my son's life, you know. And not just only because it's the moral thing to do, you know, we have good morals, but it's the fact, I look at it like this, right? My dad was locked up in 92, uh, 20 years. He did the whole 20? He was actually 28. Um, as time went, you know, good behavior and things of that sort, like, uh, it was a few cases, so he had a gun case that they ended up dropping within that drug case. Um, so basically, it shaved a few years, and he ended serving, but he served the full 20. I had my dad in my life those whole 20 years, and I mean that in the form of through letters, phone calls, visits, like, my dad did everything he could in the situation that he was to be in our lives. So, you know, and, and we're talking about a system that is built to break families apart. You know what I'm saying? So for that man to go above and beyond, to make it a thing to be in my life present to the best of his ability based off his circumstance, I'm outside. I ain't got no excuse to ever not be in my son's life. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's basically, that's that's what has inspired me to be the the best father I could be to Ezekiel. And, you know, like, juggling what I do for a living, like, it's a challenge at times, you know, especially, like, you know, like the story I just mentioned about, like, you know, the baseball games, like, a lot of times where it's like, man, I'm only going to sleep three hours, but it, it's got to be done. It's got to be done because at the end of the day, I know the joy that that gives him. And so I can easily be like, oh, well, you know, everybody else is going to be there. His mom, you know, her husband, blah, blah. He won't miss me. But no, that's not the case. He's looking forward to me being there. And I want to be there. I'm really happy for you, bro. I'm really happy that you're able to make that work for you, right? That you're able to prosper in a situation that isn't meant for people to prosper, especially in this day and age where people say that, I'll do it myself. I'll raise this kid myself. And I'm glad, you know, your son has somebody like you in their life. How do you feel like your parents' inability to always be there has really impacted you in adulthood and the way that you think, right? You said that your father was there as much as he possibly could, as well as your mom. You know, it seems like for 
for your circumstances, they made it as healthy as possible. Yes. But there's no way that it's completely healthy with those situations. Yeah. How do you feel like that inability has really shaped your mindset? When I was younger, you know, I knew they had, I knew, for example, my mom had to go to work, you know, and a lot of times she had two jobs. So it's like she get out of one job, then go to another job. Um, my dad, you know, like I said, he was locked up. So there were times where it's like I, I, I look at the other kids, you know, and they got both parents and, and they seem very supportive. And sometimes I felt like I lacked that um, support group, you know. But it wasn't something that was being done intentional. It was, again, circumstance. But I think it would have helped. It would have helped. You know, and, and that's why I'm so adamant about, like, being that now as a father because, like, I know the, the, the feelings that I dealt with at time. Still being understanding, but, you know, you also want to feel like, you know, you have people uh, cheering for you, you know, and the same way you see people cheering for your peers and your teammates, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and to not have that is, like, you know, I would have my my moments where, you know, that kind of put me in a dark place, but it's like I would shake it off because it's like, you know, growing up in the hood and back to, like, mental health is, like, not the cool thing to talk about. It puts you in that space where it's like, I feel this way, but it's like, fuck it, keep it moving, mm -hmm. keep it moving. There was no space to talk about these things, you know, so you almost had to become numb to it. And... um Put, them in, put it in the back burner. But the thing is that when you put something in the back burner, it's going to come back at some point, even if it's years later. Mm -hmm. Like, there's things from my childhood or, you know, maybe not that long ago that come back and hit me now, and I'm like, damn. Like, you know, things like that or things with relationships where it's like maybe I think about, like, times where, like, I chose this journey of... of being a DJ over, like, uh, pouring into, like, romantic relationships or things like infidelity. And, you know, because it's, like, so prone to this world I move in, right? Like, you know, um, and not understanding the psychological damage that that causes to your partner, you know? in the moments of me engaging in these things like I'm not thinking about that but now older more mature you know not to say that I'm like perfect now but I think about these things now more than ever and it's like damn like um, it, it makes me like feel some type of way at myself because it's like damn I put this person through something that psychologically fucked them up down the line to where they're gonna you know probably get in another relationship but there's certain things that they might be traumatized by like they got an awesome guy well you know that guy might do one thing like maybe he doesn't call one night you know mm -hmm. and this person's gonna be like damn this just takes me back when oh and used to call me and he was out here just fucking around and shit and, you know, it creates that PTSD kind of thing. And it's like thinking about like all those things that I didn't really think about. Like to me, it's like, they'll get over it, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And now it's like, 
Nah, man. It's that Big Sean song, bro, where he says, uh, I think it's Beware, where he says, um, calling the next guy, now that now their problems he's got to deal with because you fucked her over you, yeah you made her feel some type yeah. of way and that's supposed to be your safe space and now they can't even feel safe in that um uh, i think man just being you know so young that that's like you said that's what you're prone to this is the environment that you chose to live in and sometimes you just talk it up to like it is what it is yeah you got to realize what you're doing to people and that's why i'm so grateful that we're able to have this conversation because you're like you're just like giving me all the knowledge that I that I fucking need because there there are days where I'm like man like I I don't I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to do. I I know this is what I want. But how committed to certain relationships can I be if this is what I'm going to pursue? And that's a that's a very strong battle I have with myself almost every time I start something new, right? Because the journey's not over. We just fucking started. You know, we haven't even hit two years. But in the short amount of time we've had, we've done those fucking big interviews that are like, damn, like, people are watching now. Yeah. Just like I said, you know, I'm blessed to have been able to connect with you, especially Likewise. you you checking out our shit yeah. before you even know, you even knew what our name was. You know what I'm saying? But I want to take it back a little bit, man. I want to take it back to the beginning. Uh, you mentioned all those young DJs, and just like I said, you've been able to spit some knowledge to me. Talk about some of your relationships with the young DJs. You know, I want to start with DJ Drip. Interesting story. There was this place called, it's now called the Luxor. Luxor, yeah, over there in uh, in Berwyn. Yeah, in Cicero, Cicero, you're right. Before that spot was called Los Lobos, right? And it was like a 18 and over party. Um, They had me DJing there back in like, I think it might have been 2018. I remember what year it was, but I remember very well, like, Drip was on before me. I think Drip had to be, like, 17, 18 years old. And I remember I'm watching this dude, DJ, and I'm just like, this motherfucker's cold. Like, and, you know, obviously he's still young, so there's still, like, things that, you know, like, everybody, you're still, you're still not seasoned yet. But it's almost like you can foresee. And with Drip, it was one of those things where it was like, this kid wants it. I'm like, something tells me about this kid right here that, like, this 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 guy's going to be a big deal. This guy's going to be a big deal. Like, I just, I remember even, like, you know, uh, in, in my group chat at the time, like, yo, there's this cat, like, DJ Drip, like, watch, watch. I'm calling it right now. And I'm like, sure enough, like, you know, Trip right now is, is, is killing it. And it's like to think is like he's just getting started. And when I say just getting started, I mean that in the sense that it's like he's accomplished so much in the length of the time that he's done in this industry, you know, in this game. But it's like I'm really looking forward to what's next because mm -hmm. I'm like his work ethic is there. Like, you know, and he, he has huge aspirations to where he's trying to go. A few months back, I invited Drip to uh, Maple Nash for, for brunch. Mm -hmm. And my purpose was that was just to kind of like, you know, Drip had just finished dealing with the whole thing with the pregnancy. You know, I know like in certain areas he was questioning, you know, as far as like his place and 
this industry and DJing and it's like I felt like it was a good time to like check in with him and it's like you know create an environment with somebody who has more experience where it's like whatever he be thinking about whatever question he has or concerns you know and not just from like a DJ aspect but everything because everything goes hand in hand with this like this ain't just playing records and rocking the crowd there's like a lot of background work that goes into that like you know getting frustrated because maybe you're not getting booked enough or you know certain levels you're trying to make it to that you feel like man am i gonna get there you know a lot of questioning and that leads to had a lot of times where i question myself where you're like man fuck this shit i'm, yeah. I'm done yeah and everything bleeds into your creativity every single situation you put yourself in and just like i said the relationships you build it all fucking comes together and it really makes you question like man am i doing enough am i gonna make it oh man fuck yeah you you hit a you hit a nerve there but go on so watch everything that drip is doing now is like me turning back and be like i told y'all motherfuckers what was coming mm -hmm. like i've really told y'all like you know, like I, I called it when this young man was like 18 years old. But why? Because it's like you can just see it in their eyes, man. And you can tell they, they want it. Like there's people, I've seen DJs come and go. Some people's shit was a phase. Some people was just clout chasing. You know, some people was like, they got popping. And then that hindered them from going further because in their mind and their ego, they thought like, oh, I'm the shit. And then boom. Where are they now? But it's like all these things have not taken my homie off track from where he's trying to go. And I think it's even doper because it's like my favorite part about watching all these DJs is like them capitalizing on a lot of things that maybe I wasn't as good as they are. Um, social media. Um TikTok, that's like the biggest thing. That TikTok is like my biggest show. So I, I got the app, but I haven't uploaded any videos because I haven't figured out my biggest thing's been like, how am I gonna communicate the DJ Ozone brand through this social media outlet? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I could easily just go and do the same thing that Drip is doing, right? But to me that won't feel authentic because I'll be like in my mind, I'm like, I'm just replicating what he's doing. And I would want to come into this with my own thing that I feel identifies with me and the audience I'm trying to captivate, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And But he got it in the bag. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? It's like to see that, like, that's fucking dope. And then, you know, the other aspect is that it's something that I aspire to and I never follow through is, you know, Drip going to Columbia. Like, so it's like, it's not only him being out here and getting these bookings and performing. It's like, yo, this guy's actually educating himself in this lane as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I might have chosen a different path because in my mind, I'm like, I'm destined to DJ. I want to tap into something that I feel I, I want to learn more through, like, the school system. That was social work. Um, where everybody always used to be like, you should go to Columbia. You should go to Columbia. Like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Fast forward, I started going to, I would go to Columbia to hang out, like with people that I knew and kept seeing the environment and it was like a bunch of creatives and I'm like, this is where I was supposed to go. Mm. You so went to Northeastern? I went to Northeastern, yeah. yeah. But I should've went to Columbia. <laughs> I should've went to Columbia. So it's like to watch him 
you know, manage both of these angles, do the school thing, still in the lane that he's trying to go, and at the same time killing it, like, in the industry. It's like He's o- he's almost like you. He's a young version of you. Yeah, yeah. He had that stigma, too, that he was over there starting fights and yeah. shit. Yeah, oh, man, and don't <laughs> even get me started with that, man. Your set wasn't lit unless somebody was throwing hands. Yeah, bro, and I got in. I got into that and like my 18 and over scene um that was my biggest that was my thing like and to me I thought I was doing something great <laughs> and in reality like yo you know you you creating yourself as the problem starter and that's going to like limit you from the bookings you know and then there was that and then it's like okay I chilled on that but then next thing you know I'm DJing in the clubs and somebody say something crazy and then now I'm the one getting into fights and you know, doing things out of my character. And what I say out of my character is because I'm born and raised Humble Park. But as far as in my household, like, there's certain things that I've done outside in nightlife and ways I've handled things that I reflect back and I'm not proud of. And I wasn't raised like that. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So when I say out of my character, I, I mean it in that form. Like, you know, regardless of, like, even my dad's involvement as far as like a certain world I wasn't raised to handle things a certain way so it's like you know but this is the wisdom that I come with you know where it's like I pass it along and it's like yo sometimes we find ourselves making decisions on temporary emotions or ego ego a lot of times a lot of fights of mine came from being disrespected cracking somebody in the head with a bottle and me not looking like a bitch. That was like the whole thing. But again, that's an ego thing, mm-hmm. you know? And thank God, even in incidents like these or pulling out guns in the club, like these things could have put me in a really, really, really bad place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But just because they didn't, didn't mean I should have continued. You know, and I'm glad that I outgrew these things. But, you know, as I did a lot of work on myself, you start to learn, like, this was ego-driven and and a false sense of pride. And these things were just leading to, to situations and putting my career in, in, in jeopardy, mm-hmm. my career and my freedom. That shit's fucking nuts, bro. And I'm... Like I said, bro, I'm glad you're here to fucking speak with us and just drop this knowledge. Let's talk about another DJ, King Inez. You brought her out for your recent event. She's fucking, she's a GOAT, man. Man, another one, another one, another one. You know, young King Inez working at Boneyard. I remember um, me and Steph and Ponce were out shopping. That's like one of the things, like, you know, that's like our thing to do a lot of times. Like, go out to eat. Like, I know Stefan since he was... 15 so like you know that's like family um when they were out shopping we go to boneyard king Ness is working there you know she starts talking to us we start telling her like oh we're djs like oh yeah you know i just started djing she's telling us like yeah man i'm gonna be the coldest dj in chicago like the the confidence that just oozed out of that statement right there i remember that moment like it's like that same kind of thing with DJ Drip when I saw him, you know, the first time DJing. It was that same kind of thing where it's like somebody could have heard this young girl say that and be like, get your capping ass out of here. Like, okay, whatever. You know, everybody says that. But to me, I'm like, 
something tells me this that I'm gonna remember this moment because something tells me the the level of passion that that girl made that statement with. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit this moment, and it's like, fast forward, look at her now. You know, and all the things that she's accomplished, not just only in the city, but outside, you know, touring, the touring, the girls weekend. Yeah, exactly. It's just be these moments that almost like I can foresee things, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that was a thing with King Ines. And I love what King Ines embodies as a DJ, not even only as a female DJ, but as a DJ. Like, I feel like. Seeing King and S and DJ Drip, it's like I see a part of myself in them, mm-hmm. and I and that makes me happy because it's like I see a part of myself in them, and it's like I get to watch that grow and evolve, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's like I look at it like this, right? And you know, you it be out here a lot of the, like these like old bitter DJ dudes who be feeling some type of way when like this new wave of DJs come around. But I look at it like this, right? Somebody invented the TV, right? And we had the TV, you know, this box. And then somebody came and turned that into a flat screen. So my whole thing is that's how I look at them. Like, if I came and did this, like, y'all y'all basically evolving and progressing the culture, you know, with this shit. Like, and it's not to say, like, Oh, y'all pick up where I leave off. But it's just like y'all coming in and taking this culture forward. Like somebody made the TV so somebody else could come and build a flat TV mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then somebody else is going to come and probably, I don't know, we probably won't have TVs. It'll be just a chip that we fucking. It'll be, it'll be the fucking projector for real. Or you put a chip in your brain type shit, you just start seeing shit. Some sort of episode of Black Mirror or some shit, you know? And it's like. That's how I see these things. So it's like to watch these DJs grow is fucking awesome. And it's fucking awesome because it's like, you know, and there's something that I tell myself, and that's why I make it such a big thing about, like, accomplishing so many things in these next years because I don't want to be in nightlife when I turn 40. I don't. I don't. And that's not to talk down on anybody who's still involved in that but it's just because i see much more um and also you know certain experiences that i have had um not i'm not gonna say necessarily negative but maybe draining Mm -hmm. and me putting this boundary is almost like me in a way like saying i love this but at some point i want to protect my mental health even more Mm -hmm. and therefore like at this mark in time i see myself going in different directions whether that's like you know more in the in the real estate um industry like um you know investing in property uh, fixing it reselling you know more on the producer side Mm -hmm. so you know, I have other aspirations of things that I want to achieve. Opening a car wash, like, you know, it's like a list. You got things. the list ready. Yeah. He said, hey, this is his retirement announcement. Yeah. But before you do all that, man, you know, you just got to know you're a fucking legend. Like, I, I know people tell you that for real, but 
like I said, I've, I've been involved in this shit for a year and a half. I knew your name out the gate. I knew, already knew from day one. I want to interview DJ Ozone. When did I think it would happen? I didn't fucking know. I just I knew one day, and eventually, you know, we finally made it here. But it's funny because I felt the same way, though. I felt the same way, I'm like, because of how I organically became a fan. But I felt like it wasn't one of those things where I'm like, I'm a person that likes things to happen organically, mm-hmm. you know? And I always kind of kept it in my, like, when the time comes, the time is going to come, and everything just fits into place you know the universe makes it that way so it's like until then i'm just you know I, and this is me talking to myself like i'm i'm here just being a fan and, and enjoying these episodes because my biggest thing is that i am like i really like the approach that you take with these interviews i feel like most people is like okay they have a creative sitting there and they're like oh so you know what are you working on or what's the next thing you got coming up and blah blah but there's never like a space to talk about these things that you touch on that i think are very important now more than ever mm-hmm. you know and, and and you know i say that to give you your flowers like that what you are doing right now like this is creating a platform for people to understand that not everything that they see in something like for example social media is what it is and there's things behind that that people got to understand mm-hmm. you know because i think a lot of times we live in a day and age where people see things in social media that are controlled and controlled by a person that shows you happy moments right or highlights or flexing etc but there are still internal things that they might be dealing with that because they want to paint this picture they don't touch on and you come here with a platform where it's like hey it's cool to do whatever you're doing but guess what there's these things that we deal with as humans that it's okay to talk about too man i really appreciate that because just like you just like anybody else i've interviewed right there's those days where you're like fuck like who the fuck cares bro who even cares anymore you know we've done this is 73 and you see the you see the highs, you see the lows, and it's like when those lows are there, especially after a fucking high, you're like, damn, like, who the fuck's even watching anymore? Yeah. And I always told myself that the likes the likes never mattered. The views, yeah, I like to see the views getting there, right? But it's when you're having thousands of views and then you go down to hundreds. It's like, what the fuck went wrong? Yeah. Before we close out. Uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation and you mentioned a lot that you were involved in a lot of things that you shouldn't have been involved in, right? And we don't got to get into detail on that shit, but you've been in the game for years. You had those YouTube freestyles. I did my research, bro. So I seen those those interviews for the YP, uh, what's it called? Signing party. So, man, and just like I even have it written down here that you wanted to be a DJ since you saw Juice. Yeah. What's one of those lessons that you were forced to learn as you continue to grow within the industry? And this can be personally and professionally. Not everyone has your best interest. And to know your worth before it's too late. And um, moving forward, that's like one thing I try to get across to like 
the younger DJs, you know, especially, you know, in, in areas where um, it's like you're popping and, yeah, like, you feel like, oh, uh, yeah, everybody wants me, right? But just know that that can also be temporary or some, or there's been the cases where it's like people try to make you feel like you're less than what you are. And I've seen this happen, like, where it'll be certain DJs that are popping, and it's like, you guys only want to pay them X amount. And it's like, they're worth more than that. They have a following. They're worth more than that. But they'll almost, in a way, play the psychological game of downplaying you, like you're only worth this much. And, like, whatever, you know, following you got is really not as big as it is. And I learned that myself. Um, when I started doing my own parties, you know, I feel like, and, and that's something, I'm not saying every DJ has to do that, but I encourage it because that raises your stock and it gives you a better understanding of your value as a brand and as a DJ. I used to throw this party called Fucking Up The Game Fridays at a spot called Locale weekly. That party went on for five years. So think about it, every Friday, five years, two DJs, because of me and DJ Rec, and it's like, no promoter. So it's like, some promoters can't even keep a night, a weekly night for that long. Because just like you said, your audience is growing with you, so those people stop coming out. Who's drawing in the new crowd? And for you guys to continue to do that are you guys still close yeah yeah we're close i wish we were closer to be honest just like not like on some bad blood stuff but you know my brother's you know he has a child he's married so you know his lifestyle is a little different he's not as involved in nightlife mm-hmm. as he used to be like at one point like you know when it came like especially like in that 18 and over scene like wreck was like the man you know, and that's not to take away from who he is now. Like, in my eyes, he showed me how to mix. So, in my eyes, he's still the man. But I mean, in the sense of him taking a different direction. Like, you know, he's more on the like private events, weddings, you know, still do lounges and bars here and there. But he's kind of gone more in that direction. Last thing, man. Uh, like I said, I really appreciate you coming through. I feel like it was such a dope conversation. And. For you, you mentioned the future. You mentioned not wanting to be in nightlife by the age of 40. And as your age continues to rise, just like we talked about, your goals change, your views on life change, and your circumstances are definitely always going to change. What do you see for yourself afterwards, right? So aside from the car washes, aside from the businesses, music-wise, you said you want to focus on production. What would you say you have lined up, at least in your mind so far? More production placements. And I say that to say this. I learned this during COVID. COVID happened. Clubs shut down. You're making a living off DJing, and nightlife is a wrap. I didn't have a bad COVID uh, period of time for a few reasons. Having a child forced me to do something that I was never doing, and that was saving money. So because I had money saved, I managed to get through the things I had to get taken care of during that time. 
Another thing was royalties. Those quarterly checks that I get from, for example, like Acid Wrap, that help keep the lights on, gas on, right, etc. Child support. So, I'm like, after that, I'm like, this residual income, and I need to create more of this, and the way I do that is by having more placements. And that's real big for me right now. Who do you hope to work with going forward? And I guess the obvious question would be, right, do you still have a relationship with Chance? Yes. Yeah, man. It's crazy because it's like, I know Chance since he was 15. You've known everybody since they were 15. <laughs> yeah, I, I've watched... <laughs> I've watched a lot of people, like, you know, flourish, man. And it's, like, that's why, to me, it's, like, success is at arm's reach because I've seen Chance do it. I've seen Saba do it. I've seen Joe Fresh Goods do it. Like, the list goes on of all these individuals that I was literally grew up around that have, that are living the dream, you know, and they're still not done. So it's, like, to me, it's, like, this is not unreal. This is probably just like you focus and know the direction you're going with the audience that you want to grow. You know, and with Chance, like every time me and that brother, you know, connect, like it's always good vibes, good vibes, you know, and good business. Because mm-hmm. on the business end, I have no complaints at all, at all. Like Chance been very, very on point on the business end. You know, I know a lot of people got like, horror stories about working with artists and not getting certain money that they didn't like. I will say one thing's for sure is Chance and company, like, A1. I'm, I've never had to be like, yo, where's my money, blah, blah. Like, I haven't got, you know, the royalties for this quarter. Like, so, and we're talking about something from 2013. So, How does that work exactly? They send it or they have another company that oh. does it? They get paid from, like, YouTube, TikTok, Sarah, and, you know, their accountant from um, Chance Raps, which is, like, the company. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll send you this bread, like, quarterly. Damn. Yeah, and that's to your bank. Are you anybody's official DJ right now? Of course, my brother, First Class B. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so... There's that. Like, I've had people, like, ask me to DJ for them and things like that. So, and I'll do it. But as far as, like, official as of right now, like, just first class B. And that's, like, you know, it's a great thing for me to, like, have a a best friend that I can work very well creatively and be able to push them in a direction for them to follow their dreams. Like, you know, like, this guy's, you know done summer smash two years in a row is it only two i thought it was like three at this point now he's done two years in a row already yeah and it's like you know there's like big artists that haven't even got the opportunity like Mm -hmm. like i I made this joke the other day i was like you know i'm a big babyface ray fan and i was like dang we got it again not even babyface ray came back (laughs) you know and i'm and it's just like you know i say these things you know obviously i'm joking but it's also like a reminder like yo um you're here to do this you're here to do this and you know and you're here to really like represent for us not just as as a, as a mexican american rapper but as a latino rapper and it's like you're not doing latin trap like you're just like straight spinning bars mm-hmm. you know and at the same time representing that and it's like we you know 
I'm not saying he's like the only Latino rapper, but the fact that he's pushing that agenda and, and what he's pushing along with that because a lot of people, you know, some people do their research, some people don't know, but before B was rapping, B owned multiple uh, barbershops and a smoke shop. So it's like he's come and setting this tone of like entrepreneurship, you know, and and empowerment amongst our community, like through this music. It's not just like, yo, look at me, I live this lifestyle, whatever, but it's like pushing um, taste levels. You know what I'm saying? And not just from a like only like a superficial materialistic aspect, but from like aspiring for more to be better versions of ourselves, you know, through all different angles, mm-hmm. you know, and like I mentioned, one of them like being entrepreneurship, like having this mind of like where we are creating something that leads to generational wealth, you know, like aspiring to have things that sometimes we think we don't deserve, or we come from families that like because, you know, and I know this is a narrative for a lot of Latinos, um, the parents were always working. And they never spent money on things like designer and things of that sort because they felt like those are liabilities. And to some extent, they are. But it's almost like it created, like, this idea, like, I don't deserve those things. And it's like, no, we work hard. We can provide. But also, we deserve to reward ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, pushing all these different agendas is like, and me being able to identify with that through my upbringing is like, the world is ours. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, just like you said, Latinos need, yeah. especially during Hispanic Heritage yeah. Month, bro. Let them know, like, Facts. there's not that representation in this world a lot of the time, especially, you could say, anywhere in the United States, right? But in Chicago, you don't see these Mexican-American rappers, Latino rappers mm-hmm. that are just straight spitting bars. You don't have anybody straight spitting bars no more. And I've checked out his music. Honestly, and not even do, like, a shameless plug, but I feel like... That brother has a story. Like, aside from what is just presented, like, that brother really has a story. And I feel like he would be, like... I, I'm not going to lie. Like, you can literally ask him. Like, I tell him, like, all the time, like, you need to do a Sad Boy Radio interview. Yeah. Like, because I feel like a lot of times with, with B, like, people see, like, the things that are being presented through the music. And I think uh, to maybe somebody who's viewing it, depending on who they are, it could come off one-dimensional and it's like, man, I feel like, no, this person has more to present. And a lot of, like, um, present this struggle that goes behind Jin. What made him, right? Yeah. That's what people don't see. People just see this perception that he's giving off and that he's creating. And, yeah, that's what everybody wants, right? When they're a celebrity, when they're this public persona. They want to portray this image of, I'm... Um, I'm hard. Yeah. I'm soft. Like sad boy radio. Like we're supposed to be sad boys, right? right? I'm not supposed to look happy when I'm happy. And people are like, are you always sad? I'm like, no. But I mean, the topics we talk about are going to be serious. They're going to be real and they're going to be real to people's stories because if I ever lose that in what we're doing, then what the fuck am I doing? That wasn't the purpose of this was never to just straight up come on here and ask questions, right? It wasn't to, okay, this is this person's story. Let me let me say, oh, what are you doing? Just like you said, what are you doing? What's your favorite song out right now? Oh, how do you feel about what's going on in the news? No, 
the point was let's have a conversation a heart to heart about what's going on in your life and how it's impacting you and how it's changed and shaped you into who you are today a lot of times we can't we think we can't reach people because we think that because they are cooler or celebrity or whatever that they don't deal with certain things that we deal with as humans like damn I now it makes it even more of a fan because now you can connect with them even more because that's how it was for me with Kanye you know like that, growing up that's why I love watching interviews bro any type of music interview I used to literally sit in my room or I didn't even have a room at, at one point in my house right because I got three siblings and my grandma was living with us at the time so I slept in the living room I literally just watch Andy Martinez or Ebro in the morning on my fucking laptop and that was it I, I didn't really get into the breakfast club until a little bit later just because Charlemagne used to always be wilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of hard for me to be like, bro, like, like, yeah, now it's funny. But when I was like 15, I'm like, bro, what the fuck is this dude talking about? Yeah, because you just say like some reckless shit where yeah. it's just like, OK, I get it. You're trying to be bold. But it's like at what point is it like you're trying to bring a bold factor. But at what point is the integrity dismissed? Because mm-hmm. you you know, now we're finding ourselves seeing a lot of clips where it's like reckless ass shit that he said early on. And now it's like, and even he speaks about it where it's like, he reflects on some of the shit he'd be saying. And he knew like, man, I was just trying to get a reaction or trying to be bored. And it's like, yeah, but in the midst of that, like you jeopardized the integrity of either yourself or the show. And like at that time it might've been like, oh shit, did he really just say that and created like a headline, a headline, but you know that'd be the biggest thing where it's like sometimes i think this goes for everybody we do things to um either create buzz or create like some sort of wow factor but then it's like fast forward it's like you look at it and you might not be proud of that Mm. i definitely i did that one early on like earlier in the year i definitely tried to like get that and it just went south and i was like man <laughs> fuck this shit like what what am i really doing at the end of the day yeah you're burning bridges at that point by going in on people and especially on this platform right if i sit here and i let somebody else berate somebody that person's gonna be like man fuck this dude and then they're gonna tell their people and their people aren't gonna want to fuck with me so it's like bro like I'd rather just spread love and let people be open. If they have an open issue with somebody and they talk about it, by all means, I'm just not going to feed the fire. You know what I'm saying? It's funny that you say that because that's how the recent um, fundraiser party for the people came about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was about to pull the same move, right? There was like this tweet about like, Somebody saying, oh, are you people that, are you non-Caribbean people that love capitalizing off Puerto Rican culture, you know, and Dominican culture, like, I want to see y'all donating, right? And I was going to repost this because I get what the person is saying. But what that was going to do is just, A, yeah, throw shade at people um, and create a reaction where people like, whoa, like, hella likes, or people just like, yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, I post this. At the end of the day, this is not going to do nothing positive to the real issue. So I was having this conversation with my sister, 
And, um, you know, I was explaining to her that where it's like, you know, I shared the post with her, but, you know, how, how I wasn't going to put it because in my mind I'm like, yeah, it'll get a wow factor. But at the end of the day, this doesn't contribute anything to the real issue, which is people in Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico dealing with, you know, the aftermath of this hurricane. <clears throat> and that's when it was like, you know what? Instead of throwing shade, why not do something that's going to raise awareness and help the people in need? And that's where the whole, like, perreo for the people idea came from, from this conversation with my sister that she contributed to creating this. And I was just like, you know what? This is going to be my approach instead because my hope is that instead of me throwing shade with what I would have been like me reposting this tweet, it's more like I want to um, I want to inspire more of that through nightlife. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You know, I'm not here to down talk and everybody who decides to throw a Bad Bunny themed brunch every week. But it's like, let's also keep a... a raise awareness to this social agenda of like, you know, let's also help people in need through these things that we are creating for our own benefit. The biggest artist in the world right now is fucking Puerto Rican. When did you ever think you'd hear that? One. Two. People love to people love to post TikToks to Bad Bunny. Everybody fucking loves Bad Bunny. But what are you doing about his island that just got fucked up, you know? So, you know, I I really do. I love everything you do, bro. I love that you're really out here spreading awareness because, yeah, you are one small cog in the machine. But you're making that difference and you're making that effort and you're bringing out the fucking amazing King Inez's and... I forgot who else was on that flyer. King Inez, Gio Sands, um, DJ Gato, Al Alvarez, Josh One. That's my partner in a lot of these events that I be curating. Um, this company called Popular Demand. It's like a entertainment um, curating, mm-hmm. event curating company. Um, and it's like for all these individuals to be willing to, because nobody got paid. Mm-hmm. When I tell you no one got paid, it wasn't some of the proceeds. It's all the proceeds so all the money made you know the money donated that all went to jump which is the nonprofit in dr um doing all a lot of the work with um the people who have suffered from the damages and the puerto rican agenda which that's for puerto rico you know all these people donated their time you know and the fact that it's like these are all individuals that easily could have been like, nah, I'm good. Or, you know, just could have started capping out like, oh, man, I'm booked that day. And it's like, no, they literally were not only about it, but helped me in the sense of, like, spreading the word. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't one of them, like, I just show up and don't even like saying, like, nah, they posting up, you know, telling people to come out. And to me, that says a lot about all these individuals involved not only from a talented uh, level, but also, like, a human level, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's dope. That's it, it makes me feel good to know that I have peers in this industry that I can count on, 
when it matters, mm-hmm. you know, and this is something that really matters, not just to me, but, you know, to everybody who took place, to the people who we are helping, and to the people that we will inspire to do more things like this, to help all different kinds of social issues. Hey, shout out all of them. That was on Sunday? Sunday. Sunday, yeah. yeah Humble man. Park, Esmeraldas. Shit. Oh, you know what? I was going to, I'm no bullshit, bro. I yeah. was going to pull up. I went to the Giveon concert. Okay. And I had to take the bus back home because I'm on Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. So fucking the concert ended at 1030. I didn't get on the bus to like 12 because it was just not fucking passing by the yeah, air. Yeah, I know how I'm beginning like uh, yeah. later in the night. And I wasn't trying to drive down there. That's too much work. No, nah, I hear yeah. you. Yeah. But shit, I'll be at the next one, hey, bro. For sure, bro, man. Definitely love to involve Sideboy Radio in any way, form, you know, to raise awareness. Because that's another thing, too. Like, now people are like, when's the next one? When's the next one? And I'm like, that that moment right there made me happy. And I know people are not asking only from the entertainment factor. Like, oh, I just want to go party and drink. Because it was a dope-ass party, and it was a vibe. But I think it's the fact that it makes people feel good that it's like, damn, I'm going to have a good time. And at the same time, you know, help. You know, like that, that makes it even more of a rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, I appreciate your time, bro. And there's so much more that, like, we will touch on one day yeah, yeah. because I still have more notes, but I appreciate you. We're already at, what, an hour and a half. So thank you for everything. Nah, man. Anytime, my brother. I look forward to any event you have, bro. And just keep me in the loop, man. For sure. For thank sure. You. Yes, sir. All right, guys, that's going to be all for today. Thank you for watching. Make sure you pop out to any DJ Ozone event. Make sure you check out First Class B. Shout out DJ Drip, Payday, King Inez, uh, Geo Sands. Who else you want to shout out? Man, shout out all the young DJs killing it right now, man, for real. Like, like, you know, they are doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody's telling them that. Like, I want to be sure to give them their flowers and let them know. Man, love. Thank you. That's all, guys. Thank you for watching. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Sad Boys for real. Peace out. This is Sad Boy Radio.